Welcome to the Glasgow Girls Club podcast, where we chat to inspirational folks throughout the city about living their best lives and encourage our listeners to grow and glow. Hello and welcome to the Glasgow Girls Club podcast. My name is Laura McGuinness and every week I'm out and about in the city interviewing some inspirational folks for you all. I'm really excited this week as our guest is Edward Reed. Mr Edward Reed is a very good friend of mine and for anyone that has met him they'll appreciate how infectious his gorgeous personality is. It really does glitter like the jackets that you often see him wearing. So we chatted about everything in this podcast to his time on Britain's Got Talent, to the different entertainment categories that he has worked in, to the effects of social media on people's mental health in this day and age. And we also chatted about Edward's Pure State meditation workshops because not many people might know this yet, but Edward is actually a qualified meditation teacher as well as being a national treasure. We also spoke about the fact that he was perhaps the pioneer of the slut drop before it really became on trend. So listen in to hear more from Edward Reed. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so hello, Mr. Edward Reed. Hello. Thank Laura. you so much for joining us on the GGC podcast. Fabulous. Thanks for having me. Oh, not at all. I've been desperate to catch up with you. Been a, a superstar sensation, <laughs> uh-huh. a Glaswegian icon, oh, like yeah. <laughs> in fact a national treasure. How does it feel? Do you know? Do you know? It, that, that would normally I'd be like, oh shut up, oh shut up. But although I don't, I don't think it's exactly true. Of course, but it I is. feel as if I'm very open now to being able to say it out loud what I would like in my life and yep. those things that you described. Sound fabulous. So I'm like, yeah, I'll accept him. It might not be the truth right now, but I'm working towards it. Oh my God, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people that would disagree with you. (laughs) So let's chat about you. Let's start from the beginning. Where did you... Have you always lived in Glasgow? Coke Bridge. Coke Bridge. Mm-hmm. And so tell us, start with your story then. So I suppose I, a working class upbringing, my dad's an alcoholic and I feel quite passionate about saying that out loud yeah. because I think when I was younger, there was a lot of shame in my house about my dad being an alcoholic. I didn't, as a child, you don't really know how to deal with it. And then, I mean, I think it still happens in families who don't know how to, deal with it, talk about it. So I like to talk about it. My dad's sober now, thankfully. Um but Brilliant. and um I've made a lot of peace with my dad. I've forgiven my, myself, forgiven him. Um and so I think that's important to, to mention oh, because absolutely. if anybody was listening that they, their dad because it's funny I'll say I say it and if I'm doing talks anywhere, people come up and say my dad was an alcoholic and all but he died and I'm still angry about it and I'm like, mm. right, come on, we need to get rid of this anger. Okay. Your dad you need to forgive your dad. He's pure positive energy now. And so I think it's good to have a dialogue about alcohol um, in a yes. household because it's... It affects it's, so many households. Yeah. That's, that's... Yeah. And also, I'm like a big... Like, I'll say to my dad, Dad, if it wasn't for you, I don't think I'd be the performer that I am today because I work hard <laughs> to make sure people like me. And it, I think that stems from being in the household where there was alcohol. So, okay. you know, we've all got our story. We've all got our past. I, I've taken mine. And I've I've not let it define me, but yes. it's shaped me. Right, okay, so I'm, I like that. I'm, I'm, and I'm and I feel like I feel that like I have more maybe compassion or empathy for people because I've been in situations that have not been that children shouldn't be in. Okay, you know? so I think that gives me a bit more compassion for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it would. It's the life mm-hmm. life experience as mm-hmm. well. 
So then, what? So you? So yeah. So that was another. I had a, a, a great family. Okay. Um, brilliant brother, two fabulous sisters, and an amazing mum. Um, so. And amongst all the, the alcohol, there was a lot of love. You know, I was the yes, way. Yes, okay. So okay. There was a lot of love in that. Um, and then, growing up, I think, um, I was uh, a chunky, spotty, in the closet teenager. Okay. Who didn't like himself at all. Uh, and uh, uh, that was quite a challenge. Adolescence was quite challenging for me. Because there was a lot of self-hate there. Which is great. It's not great, but I can look back. And I can see that, right, okay. and I can I can he- help heal it. Yes. I can help heal that teenage boy. Um, and I, I, when I look at pictures of myself as a teenager, and I'm like, ah, don't worry, son, I've got you. I'm going to buy oh. you nice shoes. <laughs> I, think, I think that's my obsession with shoes and bags comes from because I was like, I remember going to school and everybody then, you know, new pair of shoes, new bag, new jacket. First day back at school, and I, I never did because okay. the money was always drunk. Yeah. So now I make up, but it's. Quite <laughs> You're like this one's for you, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> totally, um, but uh, and then I've been. I didn't. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I, I mean, being a singer now. There were years ago. There was no drama classes. There was no. Uh, you know, no nobody would say, "Would you want to go and be a singer?" You know, there was yep. that. There's no chat like that, and. I think people would be like, my dad was a welder, you should be a welder, your dad was a welder, and I was like, <laughs> the only way I'm being a welder is if I'm like, the last year to flash dance, <laughs> <laughs> and I can work in a strip club at night. <laughs> She's a maniac, oh, maniac. <laughs> that was the only way I'd be a welder. Okay. But uh, that never happened. Uh, and I went and studied social care, because I wanted to become a social worker. I wanted to fix people. Yeah. That was my intention, but actually I wanted to fix myself. Okay. Um, and I think... Uh, I ended up, I didn't become a social worker, I became a carer, I was a, I worked in a day centre for people with learning disabilities okay. for seven years. Wow, okay. But it's funny because I've always had, had goals, I've always been goal-orientated, mm-hmm. um, and when I was uh, 17, I think, I think I got the job just before my 18th birthday, and I remember saying, getting the job, and I remember thinking, when I'm 25, I'm going to be a deputy manager, and I'm 30, I'm going to be a manager. And that was just a given. There was no, there was no doubt in my body and my mind that that was going, that was going to happen. Okay. You know, and then I became a deputy manager when I was twenty four. Uh-huh. Um, and then I hated it. <laughs> I, hate, I hated management. I hated. I just didn't like walking into a room and everybody stopped talking. You know. Right, okay. And yeah. Because I was like, you, but you used to be my pals last week. Now you're, I'm all, I'm your boss. So, didn't like it, and um, I wanted to leave. So. I've then, and it's funny, I think, when you work in that industry, I was just talking about this yesterday, when you work in that industry, which a care setting back then, which was, hold on, that was maybe about 20, 20 odd years, 25 years ago or something like okay. that. Um, men, there was a lot of women in that, in the care sector, yep. and there wasn't a lot of men, so I think it was very sexist that a man was going to get promoted quickly, because... It's a bit, you know, okay. it's a very sex. Yes. I mean, I think employment is very sexist. Years ago, maybe not so much now, and there's Certainly change. Years ago, yeah. But it was just assumed that if you were a guy in that industry, you were going to become a manager. That's okay. what it was. So. But that's good, big of you to say, as well. Well, well I, I, I think it was, as a wasn't, man, yeah. But it wasn't me that come up with that. It was other people's expectations of right, me. Right, okay. They, I would be working with women, and they'd go, oh, you're going to get, you'll, you'll do well in this industry. So it was like a... It was just a given. It was a given, yeah, I. Right, but okay. it's funny because that, along with my naivety, but along with the people around about me, just assuming, oh, you're a guy, you're going to get promoted in this industry. Yeah. Um, 
I think that helped me get to the to the, the, the point when, when I was 24 instead of 25. Right, you know okay, because I mean? when you fully believe it as believe well, other people, people are energising it, yeah. yeah. So then when I went into, I I changed my job, I left and um, I actually started taking singing lessons and then I went, did a... What made you a, want to take them? Had you always enjoyed singing? I, I used to go up in the karaoke but I had to have like a bottle of uh, electric white. <laughs> And me, two fifty. What electric white? Ice dragon, I think it was. And I would get um, I'd go up and sing. By, uh, by the way, I was straight then. In Verkid Commons, okay. I was straight then. And um, I used to sing um, either Barbara Streisand songs or the Carpenter songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a pals and going, everyone. And I'm a pals. Like, oh, you're great. And I'm, I'm like, oh, my. And they, they did not. I mean, I think it's something so right in your face you can't see it. Yeah. And me singing Evergreen and the way we were every Saturday night in the karaoke. My pals <laughs> couldn't see it. Um, but a guy at work actually told me that I was a good singer and that's where it stemmed from okay. because it was always it was always alcohol-filled, you know. Mm-hmm. The only time I ever did it was where alcohol was involved because I never yep. had the confidence to do it. I, didn't, okay. I thought, who do you think you are thinking you're a good singer? That's conceited, you know. That was a, that was a, a thought that I used to have back then. How wrong? I know, How I know, it's, it's crazy. I know. Um, but then I joined an amateur operatic society and I could not believe how much I loved it. I couldn't believe the rehearsals, the people, the passion. It just was like, I, I, I was like, this is brilliant. Yeah. So I, I, I think I was 23 uh, or 24 when I did that and I was like, I loved it, loved, loved, loved it. And then my, my first night doing Hello Dolly, I was Barnaby and Hello Dolly. First night on stage, I was like, I'm giving up my job. When I need work the next day, handing my notice in. Oh my god! I had a house. I just bought a house. I think the year before, women told me, "Oh, you won't sell this. People are buying ex council houses." I put a for sale sign up, stuck up a window, and I was like, "I'm out of here." The house sold. I made profit on it. Paid off my credit card bill that I had run up stupidly, oh, and then <laughs> so I I, I had, um, gave up my job. I'm just. And then I applied to college, and then I got into college, Motherwell College, to do the musical theatre course, and that's when my life started to change. But wow. it's, I mean, that was, is that two thousand? Yeah, that was um seven, eighteen years ago. Eighteen years ago. And then um two years at college, and then I came out, and but I just wanted to be a singer. I yeah. just wanted to be a Scottish. I just wanted to be a. I I, I don't know. I I think I don't know if I said famous Scottish singer. I was just content with being well known in Scotland that I got to sing songs right okay and that was all I wanted yeah that you, was all I wanted it, it wasn't the fame it was more the profile like, I, and, and the and respect for being the yes. singer that you were yeah. and I wouldn't have articulated it back then like that but that's okay. exactly what it was I just but I think that was partly to do with um, my, my belief in myself you mm-hmm. know I just I would just be happy to get paid to sing that's all it was but it's funny because in that industry when you leave that it's like oh that's a tough industry so along with your own self-doubt and then people around about you saying it's a tough industry, it's complete opposite from the last career I was in. Yes, of course. Uh-huh, so where it, you it, felt it, like you were it's a, it's, in a power of position yes. of power rather than okay. Aye, so that was... Totally new territory. Aye, and then so I was just surrounded by this is going to be tough. And I was telling myself that I was believing it and then I was making it happen, I was making it be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got a job in Spain for six months, loved it. I had the best time ever and just loved it. <laughs> and then I got a job on a cruise ship and saw the world, most wow. lots of the part, parts of the world. Um, loved that and then come back and then I, I remember my pal I'm doing other things. I mean, I was a dancing carrot on CBB, CBBs once. 
Uh, I, I did lots of different wee bits and bobs, and then my pal was like, uh, "There's a pub going in a there's a gig going in a pub," and I was like, "Oh, I'm not a pub singer. I've trained in musical theatre, darling." Yes. And then at that time, I was working in a restaurant, and I was living the whole struggling actor kind of thing, okay. like going to auditions, living on minimal wage, mm-hmm. and but kind of thinking, "This is what you do. You, I'm like, this is what actors do till yeah. they make the big time." And then when my friend said that, I was like, I'm not singing in the pub. You know, I'd rather work in the, rest, the, the, the restaurant. Yeah. And she told me how much money you get paid for singing in the pub. It was the same amount I got for the full week working in the restaurant. Oh. So I was like, stuff that. I'll work in the pub. But uh, actually, the, working in the pub was the best thing that could have happened to me. Because my ego was a bit high. Because I, 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 you know, when you're at college, you kind of, you get into this, like, you're a, you're a musical theatre singer. Do not... Lower that. You know, this is don't don't be singing in pubs. That's yeah. not what you should be doing. And then actually, the best thing for me was to go and sing in pubs because it was really what my initial intention was. You wanted to be a singer. Just to be yeah. A singer. Yeah. But also, I mean, I used to just stand and go, "This is a song by Michael Bublé," and then sing, and there was no chat. Okay. And then I realised after my second gig in a pub, nobody was looking at me. And again, I think that child that needed attention okay. come popping out. And uh, <laughs> so, what did you do? I just, just like started straddling people and uh, <laughs> and like slut dropping before he was even oh, a thing. So you you're the, the I, pioneer I, of the slut drop. I, <laughs> uh, there was a pole I'd probably dance swung myself down it, but and then I just started, and then my, I remember my friend again saying, "You should be singing Sweet Caroline. You need to sing." Uh, Ring of Fire and I was like I'm going to sing Do A Deer from Sound of Music and she's like you can't sing that in a pub I went I'm singing it so a wee bit of naivety I'd sing it but actually everybody would turn around and go like that is he actually singing Do A Deer uh-huh. and then they'd all join in because everybody knows that uh-huh, you know? of course so that path helped me create um, my I suppose alter ego yeah. you know my, my character for when I'm on stage yes because um, it's very different from the, the real me when I'm in the house, you know, yep. is a different person when I'm on stage. So doing it in pubs, it was a great way, like a, like a YTS, that. you know, for, for for me. And then you get upgraded to like social clubs and then bowling clubs and then golf clubs, they're the oh, most oh, fanciest. Oh, oh. <laughs> so that, that was that was great. And then I was teaching as well during the week because it's funny, we were talking a little on about always striving yes. and before we started recording and I was just... I'm always used to striving. I'm, yeah. My body, since I was a child, uh, since I was a teenager, and an early, early adult, I was, I'm always, always fighting or moving towards something that's better yeah. than what I have. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, that's what I've always done. So I, I used to, I think I worked seven days a week at one point, just with teaching during the week. Yeah. And then... Um, which, by the way, I fell into teaching. I wasn't never a qualified teacher back then, but I, I just fell into. You could you could teach drama with my qualification. Oh, okay. Um, from my musical theatre. Okay. Of course. Um. So I was I was working solidly and constantly striving towards something. I didn't know what it was, and then Britain's Got Talent happened, and that just flipped everything upside down. So talk was, to us about Britain's Got Talent then. Well, it, that was, my friend applied for me, my friend Liz, who is now my assistant, okay. which is funny, I remember years ago going, I want an assistant, and she was like, I'll be an assistant, and it was like, now when you were wee, you used to play at houses. Yes. That's what it was like. So she'd be like, she'd come down my laptop, and I'd be like, oh my god, this is great, you being my assistant, isn't it, right? <laughs> and then it was like, actually just two pals playing, right? Now I'm in a position where I can actually you know, pay her because yeah, she's yeah, so yeah. valuable to me. She's 
she's she's my counsellor, my taxi driver. She's, she's everything. She's everything, aye. So um, I she applied back then because she we did promo together, right? Okay. I, used to, I was another job that I did, right? About like, doing promo, like handing Mars bars out or whatever. Okay. And then we were doing a job and we were in a car, just just the two of us, and she was like. Because everybody in promo was either a model or an actor or something. Okay. Like that. So she was, what you would, what is it you're doing? I was like, I'm a singer. She's like, you you sing? And I was all, back then, I was always really shy about singing. Now okay. like, I'm just like, no. Nah. <laughs> um, I was, I think I sang Daniel Bedingfield, if you're not the one. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you serious? You sing like that? And then from then on, she was on a mission to make Brilliant. me, to, not to make me famous, but to make people hear me. Okay. So she was a, big driving force. Now in saying that, my mum, my, my family are constantly pushing me. You know, I remember my mum and my sister Anne bought me my first mic. Right. Because um, they, they believed in me so much. Okay. And it was like, you need to, you need to be doing this. But seeing it's your family, you're like, uh, you just roll your eyes because you're like, uh, you're just biased. You know? I know, I but know. But when this girl that I hardly knew back then was like, you need to do, you need to do some of that voice. I was like, oh, hello, this is, What's her agenda? Yes, okay. she doesn't love me. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. not, like my, my, my she's mom, not my biased towards she's not me. Biased. Mm-hmm. So, so she was constantly wanting towards doing things. So she's a big driving force behind me, even now, you know. She's constantly going, what, what's happening, what you're doing, what, you know, keeping myself relevant and fresh. Um, so she applied for Britain's Got Talent, went on it. The first edition was, I thought I sounded amazing. But the producer was like, you've just murdered that song. And I was like, okay, this is a bad idea. Because I'd done the, the Nursery Rhyme song. Right, and the Nursery Rhyme song, that's that's really the only performance. Because obviously I didn't know you back then. That's the only performance that I really remember of Britain's Got Talent. Uh-huh. Even even above Susan Boyle. Of course, <laughs> of course. Not that she's amazing, but uh-huh. your, yours, it was totally unique. Uh-huh. Well, I think when, when I applied, when I went to sing for it, I went... X Factor, in my head, X Factor's for singers, Britain's Got Talent is for, if you're going to sing, you need to sing opera, you know, okay. or something like that. So that's why I thought, I'll do some of this quirky, because I'd started, I'd originally done it um, working with two guys with autism. Right. Who had just turned 17, and we weren't allowed to sing nursery rhymes to them, but they were singing them. Okay. We, we weren't allowed to sing with them, because it wasn't adult appropriate. Right. So I decided to turn them into an adult nursery rhyme. So I'm going, oh, and that's where it kind of stemmed from. But um, I so, and I started singing it in social clubs, and I would be getting standing ovations in the social clubs. Oh no wonder! Which um, was a big, and I'd be like, oh, this seems to work. The people are seem to be getting this. Yeah. So then, but it's got talent happened. I've got to the to sing for the judges. The whole but it's got talent thing was amazing experience I think it was amazing because my expectations were so low of it and okay. I was just like enjoying every moment this was before I got any mindfulness I started yes. I was yep. like this is going to end soon so I'm going to enjoy it and even standing at the side of the stage when back then I mean I'm still not super confident I, I mean I still have I still need to work myself and mm-hmm. my, my, my self-belief and my self-confidence I think I will always be like that and that's a good thing yeah um but back then, it was nowhere near how confident I am now. Okay. And I remember standing at the side of the stage and hearing um, the buzzers going, eh, eh, and then all the people oh. in the audience going, off, off, oh off, Oh my God, off. how did you even deal with I that? Did, but I, do you know what? I think what helped me, two things, the audience started, were going, off, off, off. And then, it was in Glasgow, cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. Oh. And I thought, 
Glasgow people are great. They've got a great sense of humour. And I thought, well, I'm going to hear it sing about Humpty Dumpty. They're either going to annihilate me or they'll get me. Or they'll get it. And then I just, I turned around because I was like, I'm leaving. And the producer was behind me like, putting his thumbs up as if to say this is going to be crack, car crash television yeah. oh, no. and I was like I can't escape where am I going to go so because there was no escape which mm-hmm. you know fight or flight yes. or freeze mm-hmm. um, I was trying to flight I was trying to run yeah. away there and I couldn't so I decided I had read all these books Louise Hay have you ever read a Louise Hay book you need to do oh, it she's yet. amazing okay um, she was 92 I think last last year the year before she passed away but she'd oh. left a legacy Seeing as she died, I was sad, and I was like, no, the one thing in life is certain is that we're going to die, right? Oh, yeah. But she has left a legacy. She has left this amazing, these amazing books. Okay. She's got little cards that I use what when What are they, teaching. like, self-help, like, like self-development? Oh, it's, and... it's all about loving yourself. Right, okay. It's all about loving yourself. So she's she's brilliant. But um, I just remember think, reading Thinking Hard, and I just had this sense of worth or confidence or self-belief rise from my toes right through my body and I thought they can change the key they can put my mic down they can boo me they can buzz me you know everything can go wrong they they all these people out there can do stuff to me yeah but they can't take away my dignity yeah (laughs) and the great words of Whitney and I, I thought I cannot let them take away my dignity I can't and what motivated me motivated me was like I thought I need to walk down Cope Bridge Main Street after this, <laughs> and if I crumble, then that that's weakness walking down. You know the but okay. I, I rolled down. I mean, I think one time after that Cope Bridge, somebody rolled out the window and shouted, "All right, Humpty Dumpty," <laughs> uh, and that was as bad. That's the worst thing that I've ever had, and I think it, it was because I, I had this like I need to tap into the most fabulous part of myself. And I, I, I was almost like, bring it on, buzz me, come on, I dare you. Right, okay. Boo me, I oh, dare you. Right. I'm going to stand here, I'm going to let you boo me, and I'm not going to flinch. And Now, I've never experienced that in my life, and I, I can't remember if I've been, I don't know if I've actually experienced it since then. Well, I suppose when I was on the semi-finals, I had to step into that place again. Uh-huh. But I was like, you know, I'm going out here, I'm taking a risk. Hit me, throw, throw cabbage at me, throw rotten tomatoes at me, I, and I won't, um, I'm not going to falter. And when I went out, my family were in the audience and they could hear my voice that I was good. Oh. They, they knew I was confident. confident. Good. And I remember I was I was standing and I was like, don't greet, don't show weakness, don't don't greet. So when I stopped singing and the judges were clapping and the audience, 3,000 people were on their feet, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, oh my God, I was like, don't greet, don't greet, don't greet. And I just wish I had that wee one single tear down my eye just to get those extra hits on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but then the video's got millions. I, I, it's millions uh-huh, and millions of uh-huh. views. There's, like... there's two videos. There's, a, there's a, the, the full interview, which was like, my nephew, funnily, he was like, the, the night I was on Britain's Got Talent, he was like, Ed, you get six and a half minutes on prime time Saturday night. He went, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. And I was like, did I? Is that a good thing? Um, so there's that video and then there's a short, just the song. Um, so good. So it was. I mean, it was great. And then the semi final, again, I knew I was going home. I just knew. I, I just was like, I, I knew I was going home, and I thought I'm not going to live in television. I think it was an estimated 13 million people were watching. Sammy Cole was there this time, and I remember thinking, um, uh, he's not going to make me cry. I think he, I thought it was going to buzz me, and um, I just thought I'm going to enjoy every minute. And I walked yeah. out. And I just seen them and that and Dick were talking. I just stand there with the judges looking at me and I smiled at them all. So I have to say, hiya. 
Like, I was like, and I, I, I don't know, because in my head, I, I'd have thought I'd have been intimidated by four people with buzzers. Yeah. You know, a point to prove, like, I want to let the world look at me right now with this, you know. So I was like, I just smelled it and I went, I've got this. And I just let them know. I just, and I, 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 I in my heart, I was like, we're on the same level here, but human beings oh, just so happy you've got a buzzer. Yes. But I wasn't getting like that. Oh, please like me, please like me, please accept me. Yes. And normally that is my 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 deset de, de, de fault, you know, please like me, oh, <laughs> like me, like me. No. And I, in that moment, I was like, no, be equals here, be equals. And I'm putting myself out here, I'm taking a wee risk. This could go wrong for me, but I'm doing it. And I, I was ho- I was just, I believe, I believed in them, I, be- I believed they were good people. You know, so, so uh, and, I, and I think when Simon, I finished, Simon Kill said, was I supposed to enjoy that? And I was like, uh-huh. and he said, amazingly, I did. And then oh, I, I burst good. out greeting. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, like, oh. <laughs> oh, do you know what? But it was so good, though. Right, it was, was so good. And every time I've you. heard you do the, the nursery rhyme thing at various different events we've been at together, yeah. and it just, it gives me, like, goosebumps oh, to hear thanks. it. That's it's still one of the most unique Things I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I just sung it on Saturday night there and get the same reaction from people. So it's great. I've never, yeah. I'm, I've not once, I've never yet been fed up. You know, I'm never fed up singing it. Never. It's never. just so good. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Right. So after Britain's Got Talent, how did life change? It was, yeah, it was, it was quite, well, first of all, after it, the phone didn't ring for a week and I was like, I went through all this for nothing. Yes. You know, I, nothing, nobody, nobody. But then I had to, I left the Britain's Got Talent Management. Um, wasn't Britain's Got Talent, it was the management they yes. set you up with. And I went out on my own and with Liz behind my back, playing at assistance. And uh, and then thankfully Scotland and Glasgow in particular, uh, if they, they look after their own kind of thing. Yeah. And I think if, especially if you work hard, and they like you, they reward you by asking you back. Yes. So that's how my career started, with just having a good worth ethic and, and um, being professional yeah. and then getting asked back the next year and people seeing me, so just giving out cards and going from there. But I was, at one point I was all over the country with Britain's Got Talent um, and it was like crazy money and singing for 15 minutes. But I, that wasn't me. I had more to say than Yay. the fifteen minutes. You're you're you are a singer. You're an amazing singer. But you're a it's a full package. You're also an entertainer, a host, and a performer. And you're you've got a lot of comedy in you as well. Yeah, you're thanks. very funny. And you know how to hold the crowd. So it is just more than singing. So I can understand uh, that I, that might not have been. I, and and I, I think well sometimes you've only got fifteen minutes and it's a big event so there's loads on so you yep. really. But I, I I knew I was like I like this. But I want a platform where I can speak more, and then so now when I do my own one man show, it's great because I get that whole like two hours to just pick songs that I want yep. and pick subjects. I usually fill each song, um, like I won't just sing. I last time I sung "Flying Without Wings" because I wanted to sing it. Okay. Because sometimes a, a song will just constantly fall into my head, and I'm like, right, this is coming from somewhere, and I need to sing you it. Need to sing it. But I was like. Right, Flying Without Wings, which is maybe a bit self-indulgent for me. I've got to have a reason to sing it. So what I did was I put my sister's dog, pictures of my sister's dog in the background because I, I was like to everybody, I fell, I've fallen in love and um, it's with a girl. But she's a bit of a bitch because <laughs> she's a dog. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was just talking about how the love that I had for this dog because I'd moved in with my sister and she was this constant source of unconditional love. Yep. You know, and... I had, I had, I just come out of a relationship. I had so much 
love yeah. that I have no way to point it anymore. Yeah. That I was able to point it at her. So I spoke a bit. That was just pictures of the, the Wayne up in my, my, I call him my wee hairy niece, oh. up in, up in the, um, <laughs> the, the screen behind me. So that is great to get creative like that and go, do you know what? I'm putting pictures of, her name's Whoopi. Uh, I'm, I'm putting pictures of Whoopi up in, up in the screen yeah. because I want to, because it's my show. So I, I, I love that aspect of And the audience loved that. They so, did. And of course. I, 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 they loved it more than I, I thought. Yeah. Like, they just kept going, aww, aww. And then my sister was nodding, so she was nearly greeting because she's oh, like, oh, Whoopi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was funny, actually, you should say that cause I, about dogs being healers. Because uh-huh. as I, I mentioned to you, I was chatting to Madre Palmistry. Yes. Um, and she is a massive, massive animal fan. Uh, and she says dogs in particular are the biggest healers to humans. So if you're ever going through anything or um, you've, you've, you're hurting in some way, whether it's physical, mental, your heart, the dogs are the biggest healer. She says dogs should be put up in like a pedestal and be mm-hmm. wearing crowns because for humans they are like... So okay. that's funny that through that hard time you formed, you had such I, a It was unconditional love. Yeah. It was, and it was, a, you know, every time she saw me, she'd get excited and then she would just, I, I, I was... Uh, I, and I, she was great for taking night walks. Your Insta stories walking uh, with you were brilliant. <laughs> but she was teaching me loads of lessons because was a, I'd like I would have the ball and she'd see it and she'd be so focused on it and I'd throw it and she'd run it as hard as she could and I was like, that's what you need to do. You, the, our dreams are that ball and we are whippy and we need to get that excited about our life. <laughs> yeah, and go and run and get them. And get, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And be passionate about it. And be passionate. Mm-hmm. So you trained to be a meditation teacher in yes. 2016. So yep. tell us, because that's like, that's obviously quite a, a difference to your, your singing and your entertaining, so how did that all come about then? I, I was, I, I had, I was told I had high blood pressure, right, and I was like, what? I've got, and then everybody was like, Ed, you're the most stressed person that I know. Because it's like four gigs a weekend or something. Yeah, and, and on top of that was the self-doubt, the mm-hmm. imposter syndrome, the not yep. feeling good enough to even get the gigs that I'd dreamt of getting. Yeah. And then... Uh, Everything on top of it, um, just stuff that I didn't, you know, not feeling worthy and all, all, all that stuff was just compounding and I was anxious all the time, but I didn't realise I wouldn't have called it that. I just thought that was what Edward did. Yeah. I just thought that's what I did, you know, I've just, I, that's just what life was like. And then I used to go for facials and I would, it would take me, I would get a back massage and then a facial and it would take me like the full hour before I actually relaxed. Okay. my body and then relax my mind and then I went to a life coach and she um, gave me a meditation and within like three minutes I had got to that place of relaxation right, okay. that I get that took normally took me an hour and I just remember saying to myself I want this in my life every day mm-hmm. I want this this calmness yeah this freedom from my thoughts mm-hmm. and this this stillness and it was like a sense of I feel enough Right. In this space, I feel like there's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Everything's sorted. Yeah, I'm okay. And I thought I need to do this every day. I want to do it. And I think that, alongside me being told I had high blood pressure, I thought, right, I need to do something mm-hmm. to change my lifestyle. Yeah. And I was so because I was so passionate about it. And at that time, I was in schools. Like people would say, "Can you can you come in there and this day and do a, a a training day?" And I didn't. I'd be like, "On what?" So I would just call it how to be fabulous and I would just <laughs> talk with the rubbish, right? Oh, I love it. But um, I would say to everybody, you should go meditate because it's great. But I wanted to show them how to do it, but okay. I didn't feel confident in doing it. Yeah. 
and I, I'd seen this course with the British School of Meditation and I thought, I'm going to do it. So I loved it. And I actually fell in love more with meditation during the course. Okay. Because it explained about the science behind it. Yep. And the research in it. So I was like, wow, this isn't just airy-fairy. For me, it felt good. So I wanted to do it. There's actual uh, hard evidence from Harvard University and all these different other universities. So what all, is that evidence then for any listeners that don't meditate? So the... The, um, I think there's... From the late 70s, there was a guy called Dr. Benson um, who done a lot of research into it and he found that the heart rate dropped um, and there was, a, there was a change in people that meditated and he would get like monks from Tibet and he would get ordinary people from America okay. and he would measure them. Um, and there was, there was evidence then that me- me- meditation is better for, you, for your health. But in um, year 2000, neuroscientists with things like MRIs and EEGs mm-hmm. um, technology get better so yep. uh, neuro, neuroscientists thought that your brain that you had when you were 20 21 was the brain you had for the rest of your life right okay but with finer um, technology they could see that your brain constantly changes okay it's, const- it's not growing but it's, it's rewiring itself constantly okay so like if you to learn an instrument um there's a part of your brain that with new neural pathways would be created about learning that instrument. Right, okay. Um, and it's the same for languages or whatever. The same with meditation. The more you do it, the better you get it. So they can look at the brain waves there and uh, the, the, they can see that neural, neural pathways are created. But that's, okay. it's a, the prefrontal cortex that, that it works. So it's basically, the more you do it, the better you get it kind okay. of thing. And it's like, the more you worry the better you get at worrying. Yeah. So the more you get still and get into the present moment and get and just get a, get a calmness in you, the quicker you can do it every day. Okay. And, and I think there's a, there's a lot of work on, on the, the kind of, we're all cavemen really. Mm-hmm. And we either, when we're, the amygdala, which receives the, the stress in our brain, the cortisol, um, that, um, when we were cavemen, that would happen maybe once a day when a Tyrannosaurus Rex would come running towards us, right? Oh, Jesus, could you imagine? And you get into the, the fight or flight mode, yeah. right? They now, they now say there's fight, flight or freeze. Okay. And it's quite funny because there's a lot of people, like, especially now you hear women, like the Me Too thing, and women coming up now and saying about being uh, assaulted. Um, that, uh, I think a lot of the time women have just froze yeah. in situations like that. Yeah. They've not fought... And they've not run away, but they just freeze. Yeah. And that's part of the stress response. Okay. So um, when we know that, I think what happens now in our world is like, when that happens once in a blue moon, when you get chased by a Tyrannosaurus Rex and you're a caveman, mm-hmm. your amygdala starts sending out all the cortisol and it rushes through your body and it mm-hmm. changes your body, drags your mouth up, yeah. it, it makes your pupils bigger, or it, it does, it does, it tenses your muscles. But we live in a world where stress is happening to us constantly. So we're in that stress response much more often. Yeah. And that's why there's more stomach, there's more ulcer, you know, stomach problems, blood pressure. So it's just about getting behind that and trying to be in the relaxed response more often. Okay. And I think, um, because it's funny because I was working with a guy who's a great guy, she didn't interview him, Jed Neal. Okay. And he was like, he talks about this and I was saying like some gigs I go to and See if, I, see if I'm doing a theatre gig, people come in and I'm like, um, I'm so switched on because I know they're listening to me 
and I'm relaxed and I've got them. Yeah. Sometimes I go to gigs and everybody's talking and I'm like, I get into the stress response and I'm like, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm, I, and that totally blocks the brilliance that yes. goes through me. Mm-hmm. And I think it happens with all, all is. And, you know, there's times like you, you know, you've ever been in a situation and like 10 minutes later, you get like three answers for the person that you were having a, a heavy discussion with. Yeah, but but you clam up and yes. then that just blocks that yes. you see the brilliance or what's made yes. to come out. Yes. Yeah. So that's the stress, okay. the stress response. So I'm, I'm, I'm like doing that in gigs, so I'm just meditating the week of the gig and then meditating the day of the gig. Okay. Just to connect to the most fabulous part of myself, because it's better for me and it's better for the people that are, that have paid for me. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, no, so, so that's that is so good, and you do like you do pure state your yes. your mindfulness courses. Yeah, because I, I I was a pure state, now I have a pure state. Oh, I love that. It's so clever. Was that you? That you know, <laughs> that <was> Liz. <laughs> well done, Liz, because it was so good. I remember seeing it and thinking, uh-huh. very Edward, uh-huh. very good. Uh-huh. So, uh, what kind of things can people would people expect at one of your mindfulness courses? Then, um, I try to keep it as real as possible. I, I I'm I'm not all like. Hi guys, let's all relax. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, don't do that. I try to keep it as real. I mean, I don't know if it's Glaswegian, I, not even just Glaswegian, it's current. Like, yeah. I know that we're all addicted to Facebook. Well, not everyone's addicted to Facebook, but I can see the joy that Facebook gives people mm-hmm. because it gives you that rush of external validation when you get yeah. five likes in your picture, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or 10, whatever. Um, and I, I think what we want to do is tune tune into yourself to get that um, rush of validation from an, an inner, somewhere inside it rather than an external uh-huh. place. Yeah, so because it's a big thing now at the moment, how social media, I think it probably will be for forever more, how it's affecting people so negatively. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think, like you say, rather than looking to social media for validation and, and keeping checking... Well, I don't, I mean, I'm of a generation that Social media is relatively new. Yeah, there's a lot of young people that that's all I've ever known. So that's where they get the the. I mean, I think it's it's a shame for teenagers. Like it's hard for teenagers. Well, now. I was watching a TV program and it was it touched on like this one girl was behaving in risky behaviour because from a guy because um, all her pals get likes so she didn't get any likes and I was like what. I was, and then I thought, this is a thing now. Oh, it's a this big is thing, a thing now. That young, young people are going, well, my, my friends get, they can look on and see how many likes their friends got and their picture got and then their picture didn't I get. I know. And it's, it's I, I mean, I think parents, parents, I mean, being a parent's the, the best job, but probably the most Hardest. hard hard job mm-hmm. to, to still remember who you are as a person, but then help raise a child. And I think nowadays it's even harder with the added bonus oh, of social media. I can't even imagine, like, because when I, when obviously, growing up and you see airbrushed models in magazines and you're like, oh my God, and you felt shit about yourself, but now you're actually seeing girls that you maybe go to school with and they are kind of airbrushing, if you like. They're mm-hmm. using apps like Facetune or whatever to pull themselves in, to make themselves, their skin look perfect. And, and then... That's you're like looking at that person. You're like, that's not even a model. She's gorgeous. She's not like she's not like a professional model. And that's making you feel like you might look in the mirror on a Sunday yeah. or whatever. And you're like, oh my god, I look yeah. so haggard. I know, I know, and I mean, I think that's it's a whole um, comparing yourself to other people. Yeah, is is it's so all joy. It comes down to it. And I, I, and I think 
I think now when I see, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not jealous of people. I don't, I don't compare myself to people. I mean, I see guys with six packs and I'm like, good on you, pal. I'd rather lie on the couch watching the housewives <laughs> eating <laughs> a cake. So I'm quite content with that yeah. myself. But um, I, I think I'm, I'm lucky that, that I've got that. But I, I just think, I don't know if it's a, a woman thing or it's a guy, more of a, 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 a woman thing because... Yeah. The way women are are put up against each other in the media, yeah. and 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 even I think when you're at school, it all stems from them. Them, you know what I mean? I th- yeah. I see wee kids before they go to school, and they're just the wee bright balls of uninhabited joy and yep. uh, vulnerability and beauty, and they just say things and do things, and they slabber down themselves, and they don't care. Then they go to school, and and then they start to have this. I can't do that. I can't do that. Don't yeah. don't give, don't kiss me in front of anybody. Don't um. Don't hold my hand. I, I, don't. You know, I, oh my god, I've spilled something. Please, I need to change now. I, I think that's dead sad. I know. You see so that happen now. But I mean, uh, that's all doom and gloom. But I think parents just need to. Every night, my sister used to do this, and you can see now her kids are all grown up, and she benefits from it now because they're she, they're like knicker elastic. That's what she calls them because they're they're so close to you. <laughs> Um, uh, and she went to bed with them every night and spent 20 minutes reading them a story and talking to them about their day and I think that's Makes that needs to happen difference, needs yeah. to happen uh-huh. and they also sat around the table and ate yeah. with no television that's good uh, and there was no mobile phones then either but that was it was that was the time they ate together and um, they went to bed and my sister spent time with them in bed reading them stories connecting with them yeah and Again, it's, I mean, apart from giving them a space to open up to her mm-hmm. and talk to her, but what you give out, you get back. Yeah. Because now they, they are like Nicola Elastic around her. They, they were all like, um, I think we just Bianca, 25 this year. So she's, they're all very close. She's young, she's the youngest. So that's what you kind of want. You know yeah, I, mean? I know you do. You want that closeness and the connection for sure and like put mm-hmm. the phones away and, and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So you're very wise, obviously talking to you, you get their understanding of how wise you are and how caring you are as well. You do a lot of work for charities. and Charities and give my free time and yeah. especially more so for the people that benefit from the charities. Yeah. And then I also go into the staff and then... Um, uh, work with the staff and teach them mindfulness. Oh, but brilliant. I started auctioning myself off. I do this thing where I go, it's saying, take Edward to work day. Okay. And, I, and I'll put myself... So the other day, three three people bought it and all the money went straight to the charity. That so, but so it's, good. It's good for me because it means that um, because I'm relatively new in this industry, I go into the work, their work, and I do an hour, two-hour workshop with them on stress management okay. and how to be more creative and, and productive. And then they benefit from it because it's a, a good... And it's also, it's not like, hi guys, like I say, it's, not, it's, like, it, it's right, what's happening, namaste trips. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's more like that and it's, and it's, I love um, it. so yeah, that's, that's good. But I do, I work with a charity called The Ups and Downs yep. and it's for people with Down syndrome and their siblings and it gives them a chance to perform. They do put a show once a year and that's pretty special. I love working with them there. I don't want, I used to go on the, on the stage with them. But it was turning into a bit of like the Edward Reed show, and I stepped right back because it's not not about me. And, okay. Um. Although they were, the the parents were loving it, I was like, no, I don't. It's about the people with Down syndrome. That's much more important. I go on a stage every week. Do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. And these guys, me singing a song is taking the 
like five minutes away from one of, the, one of them singing a song, so it should not be happening. I'm, I'm, I'm the patron of it, which I feel quite oh, fabulous about. Yeah, of course. But, um, so I'm thinking of doing a, a, a lunch, a ladies' lunch next year. Oh, you'll need to let us all know, because yes, yes. we'll definitely be at that. Uh, and then they'll perform at it as well. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's well. If, say if we were to end on an absolute high, because that is how you make people, people feel when they're around you. <laughs> Thank you. What would be your kind of top tips for people to be in a mindful and happy place then? Um, well, I think first thing in the morning um, when you wake up, before you get to bed, just figure out how you feel. Okay. And use a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being heavy rotten <laughs> and 10 being uber fabulous. And uh, uh, just identify um, what number you're at. And I think once you know, once you take control of your feelings, it's a lot easier. Okay. But sometimes you just get out of bed and we're in a bad mood and it just... The, the our, our state of mind dictates yes and I think we've got to remember that our thoughts are not real mm-hmm. um um but we can witness our thoughts yes so if you're feeling sad you can instead of, instead of feeling sad you can watch the sadness if that makes any sense because yes. what happens is a thought becomes a feeling so thoughts aren't real but then a thought becomes a feeling and then the feeling becomes word and actions. And then that thought, which wasn't real, has become something very real. Yes, which is, which is a scary, it's, it's scary to think if you're thinking very negatively. Yes. That you can then physically create that. Yes, yes. It's like, it's. I mean, you can see if you're on a, a bus one day and you're sitting and you, and you think of something that happened in the Saturday night with your pal and she fell through a chair or something like that and you just start laughing. That thought... Starts as a thought, goes into a feeling, then goes into an action. Yeah. You laughing, uh-huh, right? Okay. Uh, and the same, we like sometimes you can you can be sitting thinking about somebody that you loved that's no longer with you, mm-hmm. and your eyes start to well up. Yep. That is a thought that's been into a feeling that's been into an action. Okay. Um. So I think we need to be aware of that and be aware of how it can happen with everything. Yeah. Like a feeling of a thought of I'm rubbish at that because into a feeling of I'm rubbish at that because into a an action of I'm actually rubbish at that I'm not going to bother doing it uh-huh. you know uh-huh. so I think that that's two things I've told you first thing in the morning yes and I see you do wake up and you're, you're like oh life's rotten and you're like a number two or a number three I would say start to get grateful for the things that you've got okay so be grateful that you woke up in the first place yeah and be grateful that you woke up in the bed with central heating with a continental quilt yeah a wee cover you got a TK Maxx in the clearance whatever <laughs> uh, and then think of your shower Think of your toaster and then whatever job you've got and just and then the minute you start thinking of your family and friends and tears are rolling down your eyes with gratitude like oh, my life's actually brilliant. Yeah, life is so good. And then mm-hmm. before you know it you'll be an eight. Okay. You know, and I think that's what you need to do. Just get grateful for what you have. Yeah. Don't compare yourself to other people because that is just dangerous and destructive. It is. That's not a good thing to do. And yeah, and the, and anyone that you speak to that has, they're not happy. So it's it's yep. a pointless exercise, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us. Well, that you. was amazing, and we are very excited because you are coming to call the bingo at yeah. the glow party on the 9th of November. Yeah, yeah. So we're all very excited for that. We'll be here a wee bit of sing song in between the numbers I know that you've got a good plan in place yes I've, I've been I've been toying with some like number seven ooh seven is a place on oh, yes. something along the lines oh, of that oh amazing and I'm, I'm glad to tell you that we're all going to have glow sticks 
So there's yes. going to be there's going to be a good... wee bit of bits and pieces. A wee bit of bits and pieces. I did think because obviously Edward was the performer at Josie Gibson's baby shower. Oh, yes. And we were doing we were doing the bits and pieces and Josie that started our labour. Yes. <laughs> our waters broke. Our waters broke. That way. And then we went to the the the, the theatre <laughs> that night and she's like, I just need to keep going to the toilet. We're like, Are you sure you're okay? And do you need to go to hospital? No. But listen, thank. Goodness, everything's okay with the gorgeous course. baby. I know, he's gorgeous, isn't uh-huh. he? She did so well, as did you on that day, so that was brilliant. Oh, so thank you, Edward. We'll thank see you on you. the line. Thank you. I look forward to keep listening to your podcast as oh, well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.